Hi there, you're listening to FNB Soundbites, a podcast where we cover hot topics, trends and challenges of interest to professionals in the engine room behind the food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Hamish McCook. Today, we're talking with Andrew Russell and Mark Robertson, who are leaders in the beverage sector. Andrew and Mark attended Drink Tech in September, and that's going to share some of the highlights. Drink Tech, for the uninitiated, is a massive trade fair held in Munich every four years. And this year, there was over 1,000 exhibitors with 50,000 delegates from 169 countries around the world. So for Becca, as consultants, it was a no-brainer that we had to have some people at Drink Tech. So now let's meet our guests, Mark Robertson and Andrew Russell, who were the unlucky ones forced to attend Drink Tech. So Mark Robertson, some of you will already know Mark. Mark is the market segment leader for food and life sciences at Becca across Victoria, South Australia and Tasmania. Also, he's sharing the role of host with me on the podcasts, giving a little bit of that Aussie flavour for our listeners. Mark is also passionate about using supply chain analysis, engineering fundamentals and digital tools to actually enable our F&B clients to add real value to their businesses. Uh, and Mark is also sporting a furry slug on his top lip at the moment due to uh, Movember. So good on you, mate, for supporting the Movember cause and getting in behind it. Thanks, Hamish. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, really keen to uh, talk about how I uh, ticked off two of my bucket list items being Oktoberfest, oh, and, and we managed to sneak in Drink Tech before it. And yeah, I think all of our listeners will be very pleased that this is a audio medium only and don't have to look at my hairy face. So psyched to be here. Thanks, Hamish. Good on you. Thank you, Mark. And Andrew Russell. So Andrew is a design manager in Becker's Auckland industrial team. And look, most of his 15 years with Becker has been spent delivering projects. Andrew is also a keen archer, having represented New Zealand a number of times and, and is a coach and administrator and event organiser as well. So welcome, Andrew. Thanks a lot, Hamish. Yeah, great, great to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity to come on the podcast. Yeah, I've managed to tick off most of the different beverages. I'm sure there's one or two out there I haven't done yet, but it's been a pretty cool industry to work in. Brilliant. Okay. Hey, thanks, guys. So look, first up, Mark and Andrew, why did you go to Drink Tech? Tell us the reason. Sure, Hamish. Number one, the beer is excellent. Number two, on a serious note, it's the F&B Olympics, effectively. Yeah, anyone who's anyone is there. There's key decision makers. Deals are done. Everyone's talking about what their next major strategic plans are. So for us, being there with our clients, talking about their future, seeing what the latest gear out there, you know, it's an important conversation to be part of and seeing how that relates to the Asia-Pacific market. You, you had me at the beer, yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew, have it yourself. For myself, Hamish, being down in Asia Pacific, we can't always wait for others to bring new tech and new insights down here. In the FMCG world, we've got to really grab those innovations and action quickly. So for me, it was about going straight to the source, finding all of those key themes and insights and bringing it back so that we can get those into our projects ASAP. And also having an opportunity to talk with some of our clients who couldn't attend and bring that back to them as well. Thanks, Andrew. Mark, I know that you were mindful that we get something on the table straight away as well. For sure. I just wanted to be really clear with all of our listeners that yeah, we are an independent consulting company. We 
paid our own way to go to the trip. It wasn't connected with any projects or client funded in any way. And we also don't have any allegiances or commissions with any of the suppliers that we either directly talk about or indirectly talk about here. So it is that independent advice is what we're, we're talking about today. So I just wanted to make sure that's out in the open and on the table for everyone. So let's get some value out of this for our audience. Share some thoughts about what were some of those key themes that you saw, the things that made you stop and think, right, I've got to integrate that into the next project I'm running back at home. So Mark, do you want to lead us off? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick off. And a lot of my background is in the, the packaging space. And from an engineering perspective, you always just think about, I want to go faster, faster, faster. And that's always what you've been driven into about every time that we're running, can we get more output for that running time? What I found really interesting was that, yes, there's a little bit of that, but it was more around the reliability of those high numbers that are now being achieved. And there is the reality of the volumes of what we produce in Australia and New Zealand is only so much. We're not in the same size as the US or Europe in terms of the overall volumes that we're producing. So there's a natural limit where speed doesn't really help you because of the amount of changeovers and the like that you're doing from different SKUs. And that's where I found it was really interesting to see there's a huge amount of focus on those changeovers and that indirect time. So whilst we're running, yes, we make good product, but when we're not running, how do we make that as short and as cost-effective as possible? And two of the key technology things that I saw came out of that was one, can SEMA change 72 minutes, full changeover, used to be eight hours. That is absolutely mind-blowing change in terms of being able to go from classic to slim in 72 minutes. Amazing. How did they achieve that? Through separating the filler block from the SEMA block and changing over some of the way that it's done so that you can clean while you're changing over the chucks and also made it a lot simpler in that whole process. So that was a pretty game-changing piece of tech. And similarly, a PET blowfill line, change end-to-end for a full bottle height-width change, two and a half hours was the standard industry practice. Now, with all of the introductions of robotics and things along the line, we're now talking 30 minutes with two operators. Again, game-changing numbers in terms of being able to switch over SKUs quickly and do it really cost-effectively with the least amount of operators doing that task. I've had it described to me, if you think about a filling line as your F1 car and you're coming in for the pit stop, your team should be drilled to do that pit stop as quickly as possible. And that's where time is money. When you're not producing product, you're not making any money. So that's a couple of key technology advances that are going to really help some of our clients who have lots of changeovers, lots of SKUs, and they just burn money in that indirect time. So it's a great point. And the point around um, the operational staff as well. So reducing the number of operational staff just de-risks your business again, doesn't it? And that's actually you know, particularly poignant right at the moment in industry where you just can't get people and uh, you can't get them to turn up reliably as well. So yeah, that's really interesting. I can see that being a bit of a game changer for some of our clients. So that was probably the first major theme that stuck out to me was that focus on that indirect time and really driving that down. And the other was just every booth, every supplier, sustainability. Every client request, what do we want to know? What are you doing in sustainability? Tell us what you're doing. And that is a very broad topic. And when you've got 
thousands of square meters of equipment talking about sustainability, trying to break that down. And it comes into a couple of areas that we saw, and we can probably dig into a few of these now, was one around plastic replacement and really going back into cardboard and wrap and the like. For me, this is full circle. You know, Not so long ago, I was taking out all of these machines to be putting in tray and shrink machines because it was seen as less material, lower cost, less freight cost because you got less weight. So that was seen as doing a good thing. Whereas now, because of the soft plastic recycling aspect and the challenges there, we're now going full circle and coming back to that cardboard from that perspective. So that's one example. There's a lot of talk in the industry about PET recycling and going to chemical recycling so that we can infinitely have that loop of PET and effectively replicate the same supply chain that's existed for decades in aluminium from curbside all the way back to bottle to bottle. And the first global plant is being built in France and it's about 150 million euros, so it's not cheap, but seeing that come to life Someone's got to take that first brave step and hopefully that technology then becomes commercially viable in smaller markets like Australia and New Zealand. So yes, we're embarking on lots in the mechanically recycling space, but it does require a constant injection of virgin and it's going to degrade over time. So going to chemical would be, again, an awesome game changer in that part of the industry. It's dramatically different, isn't it? It's really interesting. And just whipping through some other things is around energy transition away from natural gas is huge. Obviously, there's a lot of unrest there and supply uncertainties. So that was a super hot topic for lots of clients. Continuing to see the trend from glass to cans, again, just around that recycling nature and the products robustness and the like. Energy reductions everywhere. Energy is now a top cost driver as well as the you know the CO2 emissions piece. So everyone was looking at different ways that they can offset this, use different streams, flatten peaks. And in terms of some of our brewery clients, you know, the holy grail has always been around how can we eliminate tunnel pasteurizers and the amount of heat that goes with that. And the technology to unlock that is now becoming more viable. So again, super cool to see where that's heading. And in a similar vein, water, you know, every brewery client, every beverages client is managing their ratios on town's water usage to finished product liters. You know, Carlsberg, safe to say, are pretty close to world leading. 1.5 litre per litre and beer with the amount of water recycling they're doing, you know, that's again impressive numbers. It sets a global standard. And finally, the last thing was around looking at on that CO2 reporting front actually having a system to look at scope three reporting and how we look at that as a global industry, pulling all of those numbers together so that an entire beer can can be labelled with what are our CO2 emissions, just like it is with all of the ingredients and where they've come from and having that full visibility of that supply chain. So a consumer can make a choice on shelf, do I want to buy beer A or beer B based upon what their CO2 credentials are. That's super powerful for where the current consumer mindset's going. That's really reassuring as well, actually, to hear that there's a lot of change and uh, technology and focus on sustainability. So from within the industry, we can see that there's going to be a lot of capital invested in sustainability over the next eight years, which is really exciting. And it gives me a lot of confidence that we've got this. We can actually affect some pretty amazing change. So it's really cool to hear that there's actually some, some enabling technologies that we're seeing as well coming in through the market. Now, Andrew, when you were at Drink Tech, did you also get out of the Oktoberfest tent to have a wander through the aisles and pick up any uh, any ideas? Or did yeah, you leave all the hard work to uh, Mark? 
Oh, look, we both clocked up a few steps. I think we did well more than the the 10,000 a day. I think we were smashing that out of the park on some days. Look, Mark's had a chat about some of the packaging and sustainability themes that he's seen. Um, One of the other cool themes that I saw was around a much more mature digital integration piece coming from both clients and vendors. So a, a lot of you will have heard of IoT, the Internet of Things, essentially having many different network sensors all connected up, all networked, all talking to each other. And what we're seeing now is a lot, lot of the big bits of kit, your filters, for instance, having some machine learning. So we're seeing this in a few different places, but the real benefits of that is that if some of your suppliers can have some connection into your network, they can see what's happening on the lines, they can understand how the equipment is working and use machine learning to really optimize that. It does come with some cyber implications and we're also seeing a lot of clients becoming much more cyber aware in terms of what's necessary to keep things safe. But I'm also seeing that a lot of our clients are aware that if they want to be world leading to compete and beat the rest, then they need to invest in some of this digital integration and do it in a way that is aware and safe. So it was really cool to see some of the opportunities out there to save on energy, to save on water through some of these large bits of equipment by looking at the data and using some pretty cool techniques to improve things. In terms of some of the key trends that we're noticing as well, there's a few things I'd like to talk about. Firstly, high temperature heat pumps. Now, heat pumps have been a really cool, hot topic over the last few years. A lot of clients are looking to invest in these through energy transition or energy saving benefits because that's great for decarbonisation and it's great for operating costs as well. But we're seeing that in the next two to four years, some of the high temperature hot water that should be able to be produced is really going to skyrocket, should be getting up closer to about 140 degrees Celsius. Uh, And look, that is a game changer, absolutely, for sites. Food and Bev sites, it's very common to have a boiler that's running 7 bar, 10 bar, and providing process heat out to your site. But you know, if you took a step back and said, well, how can we do this more efficiently, then being able to eliminate steam from beverage sites would be a pretty cool end goal. You know, less piping costs, much smaller piping, less stress on your pipe racks, less space use, less process risk, both in terms of generation, but also safety on site. So being able to produce a lot of this process heat through hot water, which is pressurized high temperature hot water, allows you to push that more than 100 degrees, but also to integrate it with all the rest of your hot water heat recovery systems. So once you've got everything in that hot water system, you can use stratified tanks, uh, you can get into some pretty technical stuff, which end result, what does it mean? You can do it with a lot less kit for a lot less energy, potentially run on green energy if you've got some good connections into the network and really reduce the amount of stuff you've got on site. So that for me was really awesome to see. A couple of other things. So precision fermentation, some of you might have heard of that in the industry. We're talking off-the-shelf bioreactor plants, and these can create specific enzymes or protein ingredients under controlled conditions. And we're not talking just beverages here. There's a chicken restaurant in Singapore, for instance, which can generate cell-based meat, and they've already got local food agency approval for that. 
in the US, the FDA is is currently processing other applications at the moment for precision fermentation cell cultures. So this is definitely shaping up as an area where clients can try and do something a little bit different, a little bit more specialised. And I do see quite a lot of growth in the industry here. And we're seeing the ability to get off the shelf equipment that you can use for this. So it's you can hire or purchase it to do trials, pilot plants. So it's really streamlining that process and bringing that opportunity back to the clients. Mm, um, and we're not, we're not just talking about their um, making the chicken stock beverage. We're actually talking about <laughs> making chicken in the bioreactor. And I love the fact that we've got one industry sector, the the brewing and beverages sector, they've got some expertise that just translates perfectly into a whole new product food group, which I think is which is great. So we don't have to start from zero on this. We don't have to necessarily apply a full farmer approach to this. We could take some technology and approaches that have worked in fermentation for years and translate them across. That's really cool. That's right. Yeah, We've known how to ferment for millennia. It's just trying to adapt that a little bit more and get a bit smarter as well. Dealkalization, dealk as we call it, really starting to become mainstream. So a couple of years ago, a lot of people will have seen a lot of 0% beers, well, maybe you know, four or five years ago now, coming out on the market. Not just beers, you know, 0% wine, cider. And this is starting to get quite a decent market share around the world. You know, there are some markets, we're talking 4 or 5% market capacity here. But rather than just being an, an occasional thing, we're seeing many different suppliers come out with different types of kit for this. You know, different technologies with some benefits and disadvantages. But it was quite interesting having a look around the different options that there were and why you might select one over the other, you know, depending on if your focus is on water saving or if it's on energy or what sort of quality or absolute percentage you're trying to get down to. So that was probably my third three, uh, my third kind of trend there. If you're looking at heat pumps, precision fermentation and the real mainstreaming of DELC. Yeah, look, I agree regarding the DELC mainstreaming as well, Andrew. I was at a Becker function last night where we hosted clients and a surprising number of people had the uh, old Heineken Zero in their hand. And these days, you know, low alcohol beer is actually really good. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I definitely need to de-alcoholize after this trip. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely put those products to use in that time frame. Yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, and Mark, I know you're working on a project at the moment. So was there anything useful that came out of the visit for the particular big project you're working on right now? Yeah, for us, we were pretty well down the design route and it was just really comforting on a number of things that we're talking about in terms of technology selection and decisions that we're making. You know, we've been, I guess, within Becker as well, talking about these things for a while. And when you get a greenfield opportunity, you know, you've got that blank slate. And to be talking about it and saying, this is a good idea, we should be doing this and getting people across the line because it is a little bit different and there's a little bit of risk in it. And then you go to a conference like Drink Tech and then there's a whole bunch of other people saying, this is the future, this is what we should be doing. So it really validated some of those decisions that we've made a while ago and where we're pushing on many other projects as well because of where the industry was trending. So being able to validate that in the market saying, yes, there's a lot of other people that see the same benefit. Yeah, that is really good, actually. Good to hear. I knew we'd see some benefits. I mean, this thing only comes along once every four years, and technology moves so much faster than that. So it's really great to hear that positive feedback. It's fantastic that you've been able to sort of have a look at the full spectrum there. So from looking at how you can make lines go faster or change over quicker or make them more reliable, 
great that sustainability was at the forefront as well. And also, yeah, digital is a key enabler in that. And we see that all the time that, you know, you, you need to be able to utilise all the tools that are available to get the full possible benefits these days. And finally, I'm looking forward to the chicken-flavoured beer that Andrew's going to brew up in his home brew kit at home now that he knows that you can make uh, chicken from brew kits. So, guys, before we sign off, can I grab a golden nugget for our listeners? I'll jump in. My golden nugget is I can secondary packaging. Watch this space. If you do some Googling, look at Grolsch, look at Carlsberg, see what they're doing, picture that in your mind. I reckon it's hitting a shelf pretty soon. So that would be pretty cool. That's my golden nugget. And I guess my hope is that in four years' time when we're talking about the next drink tech, and I'm already putting in my travel plans for it, is that we're talking about how PT has been closed, the loop's been closed. We're done, we've commercialised it, that's my hope. In four years' time, that technology is there and we're just talking about how to roll it out and it's proven. That would be super cool in terms of game-changing to our industry. Yeah, thanks for that, Mark. Look, for me, the big one is going to be around heat pumps, I think. That's going to revolutionise the way that we can deliver process heat around our client sites. If we can eliminate steam plant, that's going to have so many consequential follow-on benefits. And when we're looking at all of the energy transitions, decarbonisation work that's happening around the Australasian and Southeast Asian regions, that is going to be an enabler for us to really nail heat recovery opportunities. When you get everything into water, it's easy to put it in and out of the same system. So that, for me, that's going to be the big one. Look, thanks very much, both of you, for coming along today and sharing what you saw when you went to Drink Tech in Munich for a week. I know that you know some people were a little bit jealous. Okay, I was a bit jealous, um, but I just think it was a tough work. It's it's a massive expo, and uh, I know, like Andrew said, there was a lot of walking, a lot of talking, a lot of learning. I really appreciate you coming back and sharing some of these insights with our listeners. So, um, yeah, thank you very much, both. Yeah, no problems. Fantastic opportunity, and I uh, really appreciate that. Great. Hey, so thanks very much to our listeners as well for joining us today. It's the last one of the year, but we do look forward to bringing you another episode of F&B Soundbites in 2023. Until then, as we say in New Zealand, hi da, farewell. Mm-hmm.